now for the Faith FM Breakfast Show with your hosts, Lyle and Lawson. Welcome, everybody. You're listening on 87.6, or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. Special shout-out this morning to all those listening in Armadale, Western Australia, and all those listening in Armadale, New South... Oh, we've already done Armadale, New South Wales. Uh, <laughs> shout out. Shout out anyway. Armadale. Uh, shout out to those listening in Esk, Queensland on 87.6. And let's go with Lakes Entrance, Victoria on, also on 87.6. Mm, amazing. Listening on one of those, on the, one of those trans, on the, one of those transmitters, then shoot us a message. Let us know. We'd love to hear from Absolutely. you. Absolutely. La, what are you grateful for this morning? Sailing. Really? Yes. You've been doing it? Yes. You've been getting out in the water? Yes. When? Yesterday? Uh, Tuesday. 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 Uh-huh. It was awesome. Where were you sailing? Smith Lake. Where's that? North. Okay. So south, not of, south of Wallace Lake. Dude, we have, we have like one North of the... North of Mile Lake. We have one of the best sailing lakes in the country here. We've got a whole slew of them. In fact, like out of Newcastle, and I know this because my sisters and my parents used to sail, out of Newcastle and the lakes, well, out of Lake Macquarie, we've got multiple Olympic champions. Yes. This is where all the best sailors in the world come from, Lyle. Absolutely. So what kind of boat were you on? A laser. Ah, okay. Getting getting around and some 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 dinghy action. That's oh, awesome. Yes. That's that's the that's the best type of so sailing. So much fun. You know what? I'm a pretty decent sailor. I haven't capsized a sailing dinghy for at least twenty years, but we had challenging conditions. That doesn't mean you're good. I capsized five times. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> you're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Wide awake right now because the quiz is about to start. I just want to give a special shout out this morning to Julia. Uh huh. Massive shout out to Julia. Mm-hmm. So she's one of our most faithful quiz players. Yes. Plays all the time. Uh huh. Yeah. Travelled to Africa. Uh huh. Can't can't get service to send us a text message. Oh, while playing the quiz. For playing the quiz. Listening listening online. Uh huh. So now she just calls from Africa with the answers. That is awesome. It's dedication right there. <laughs> that is dedication. Oh, oh shout out, Julia. Fantastic yes. stuff. And really taking Faith FM worldwide as well. We've got oh, listeners in Africa. Sure. We've got listeners in the States as well. Just people listening in from all over the place and enjoying Positively Different Radio and also enjoying the quiz, which the first question is this morning. Paul asked Titus to bring him Zenus. Who was a, okay, this is multiple choice. He was a lawyer, he was a priest, he was a carpenter, or he was a farmer. Who was Zenus? Or I think it's Zenus or Zenus, Z E or Z E N U S. I didn't want to get corrected by Lyle there. Um, Paul asked Titus to bring him Zenus, who was a lawyer, priest, Carpenter or farmer. If you know what his occupation was, then 0491-064-669 is the number to call, and you'll go into the draw to win our amazing Journal the Word reference Bible, comfort print, imitation leather, uh, copper edging, everything you could possibly want from a Bible, everything you could want from a Christmas present, actually. This would be fantastic to give to someone or just for yourself. You can get your own Christmas shopping done uh, with this Bible and nothing more special to give at this time as well than the Word 
of God. But again, that number was 0491-064-669. Paul asked Titus to bring him Zenus, who was a lawyer, priest, carpenter, or farmer. All right. So here you go. If you know the answer, you know the number to call. Lawson, let's have some positively different news this morning. Leprosy, Lyle. Lep- it's a dread disease. It leprosy. Well, the Bible. Don't want to catch it. The Bible says this in Leviticus thirteen and verse forty six. Disease. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Called quarantine. That's right. Lockdown. The fate of people living in biblical times. Who caught leprosy was isolation and exclusion because leprosy was a terrible disease that killed lots of people and well, if it was incapacitated people, maimed people. That's right, uh, and furthermore, was incredibly infectious and yes. contagious and ended up all over the place. Here in Australia, our last leprosarium closed in 1986. It was one that was functioning to mostly serve Aboriginal people up in the Northern Territory. 86? Yeah. We still had one going in 86. Yeah, which is incredibly... wild. ...way later than I thought. It was the last one to close. But the US Department of Health and Human Services in Louisiana have actually found a positive outcome of leprosy. Really? And this is by studying armadillos. Okay, so, so armadillos have leprosy. Armadillos, most like a lot of armadillos, naturally carry the disease. Right, and within symptom armadillos, uh, relatively symptom free. Yes, okay. uh, there will be infected and non-infected armadillos. Now, the armadillos who carry leprosy, for some reason, they've got really enlarged livers. Okay, and they're like, oh, what's going on there? Like the ones that don't. Uh, have regular sized livers. The ones who do carry uh, leprosy have yeah. enlarged livers. Big livers. And but then it's like, okay, but is this like fatty liver? Is this like an unhealthy liver? But they've gone in and and you know dissected these livers and had a look at them, and they found that actually the reason they're larger is because the cells in the liver are regenerating faster and actually reverse aging. Really? Yeah. Really? Okay, so if you don't want to age, the trick is to catch leprosy. Well, this is the thing, is that when we catch leprosy, the we outcome age really is fast. Th- 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 that you die. But, and with armadillos as well that catch leprosy, they naturally carry the disease, and they still have some symptoms mm-hmm. um, from catching leprosy. Like, it doesn't have an, like, a, it, it's not just, like, either fully neutral or have a positive effect on them they still feel some effects of leprosy but they have this strange positive effect which is that their liver is incredibly healthy and larger than usual and so now the question is like okay well can this apply in some ways to humans to solve aging aging and liver failure and so well, at the moment, they haven't put leprosy in any humans. It's just in the stage of their, you know, doing their research. It's a collaboration between the U.S. Department of Health and Services in Louisiana, as well as a bunch of students, a team from, sorry, not students, but researchers from the University of Edinburgh in Queen, uh, not Queen, I was going to say Queensland, in the place where the Queen was, which is England. 
So all of these researchers are getting together and they're seeing the different parasites, the different ways that the parasite works and how it is that they could use this leprosy to treat human livers, but then not get people to, you know, catch actual leprosy. What can, what can we do? This is the big question for them. So yeah, it's, they're, they're in the process of this study. And, uh, well, because leprosy, you know, here in Australia, it's a pretty much non-issue, but liver disease, um, in the United States alone totals around 2 million deaths a year. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, it's definitely, so, sorry, not in the United States alone, but around the world. Um, uh, but yeah, 2 million deaths a year as a result of liver diseases. But if they can find a way to, you know, maybe genetically modify leprosy so that it only goes in the liver and rejuvenates it, then... We, we could see leprosy, a terrible disease. The Bible, you know, very much uh, warns against getting, you know, invented one of the first systems of quarantine and that Jesus healed. Yeah, it could be used to to save people from liver failure. That's just pretty amazing. I mean, hey, if they can rejuvenate livers, maybe they can rejuvenate other body parts with this. Yeah, but... That, that would be the interesting research. Imagine if, imagine if we came full circle, it was like... Oh, I'm dying. I need to catch leprosy. But but this is the thing is why. Because normally yeah, when you catch yeah. leprosy... We just die. You die. Your, Slowly. Your limbs fall off. Over a very long period of time. And you die. But this is, this is some strange effect and they're trying to work out how it is it can be utilized. Okay. Actually, Lyle, I'm going to follow this up with some bad news. Okay. The, uh, the price of mangoes has been drastically reduced because of an overlap in uh, production. And so there's like way too many mangoes to go around. And they're like... There's a solution to this. They're really, really cheap. There's a solution to this. What's that? Just eat mega amounts of mangoes. But this is the thing is I don't like mangoes. Just eat your way through. Eat your way through the mango harvest and you'll be able to push the prices back up again. Well, I'm going to leave it to you guys because personally, I don't really like mangoes. You know, if this story had been about like green apples or raspberries. Now you're talking raspberries. Now you're talking. But, you know, yeah, mangoes being like really cheap because there's like too many fresh mangoes coming from Queensland. You know, I'm not a huge fan of mangoes either. I'd I'd eat raspberry over a mango all day long. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, I don't go out of my. I'd, I'd never buy a mango off the side of the road or something like that. Um, I'm not. I'm not a huge mangoite, but I know that there are a lot of mangoites out there. Dude, who just people who like mangoes, them, they just are just, just obsessed worship, with them. Just about worship mangoes. They're not like quite, but. mangoes are like the greatest thing ever known in human existence, and I couldn't disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Shell, do you like mangoes? Are you a mango fan? She's yeah, she's, she's nodding she her head. Mangoes. Hey, let us know if you're stoked by the news that mangoes are going to be really cheap. And this is an Australian news Okay, but this, is, this well. is a problem that you can solve. We need to get everybody solving this problem, so go That's out and right. buy mangoes. That's right. Go out and buy mangoes. But hey, let us know. 0491-064-669. I tell you what, fruit, I look forward to eating... Oh, I was going to say in the summer, pretty much all the time, I had just the juiciest green apple yesterday. Oh, green apples. Green apples are just... They're called Granny Smiths. Yeah. Oh, well, there's a few different types of green apples. Yeah, they're Granny Smiths. But Granny Smiths are just like... They're mostly Granny Smiths. Oh, they're just the best. They're just the best. Let us know your favourite fruit, but let us also know if you love mangoes and you're looking forward to them being cheap and solving that problem and and increasing the price by eating all the mangoes. A Cox's Orange Pippin. What's that? An apple. Is it your favourite one? Oh, the best. What colour is it? 
Don't say it's yellow. Reddish and stripy with yellow bits. Okay, okay. All these people talk about golden apples and and yellow apples. I'm not about them. I'm just... The green apples, the Granny Smiths, the way to go. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We're about to get into... More serious news stories before we do. Lawson's going to bring you the next question for the quiz. When God instructed Moses to pour out water on the ground, what did the water become? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. If you do, you'll go into the draw to win our journal, the word, reference a Bible. Uh, you will give it to you for free. Actually, that draw is happening today. At 8.45, it is. You, this is your last opportunity to get your answers in. Again, that number, 0491-064-669. And that question was, when God instructed Moses to pour out water on the ground, what did the water become? 0491-064-669. All right, so this is a story coming out of Virginia in the United States. It's about Metzger's Bar and Butchery in Richmond, Virginia. So these guys two, receive... Two places that I don't frequent because I don't drink and I'm vegan. Yeah, okay, fair enough. But, <laughs> but, but they received a group booking for their function room. Okay. And as it is with group bookings for the function room, you know, this comes in quite a few weeks in advance. Sure. Uh, because, you know, they're going to have a, you know, their end of year get together, so mm. to speak, in the function room for this particular group. But when they took the group, the booking, they noticed that the group's name was extremely provocative. Okay. And so they decided to do some research and to find out. Should they really let these people into their restaurant or not? Mm. So this was the group's name. The group's name was called the Family Foundation. Oh, sick. so that triggered them big time. The They're like, family. we have to do some research on this. So they did some research and they found on the website of the Family Foundation, there was a statement that said, every child conceived is recognized as a gift to his or her parents and society. Uh-huh. Uh, the website further defined marriage as the lifelong union of a man and a woman. Uh huh. So that this is controversial. Set, this was so, this triggered them so badly. What they then did was set in motion a plan to destroy the event. Okay. So what they did was they waited until ninety minutes before it was about to happen, and they called the uh, convener of the event and cancelled it. Oh, just like that, which meant that most of the guests still turned up anyway, only to be turned away at the door and told that the event had been cancelled. Ah, okay. So this was interesting because it kind of makes me think about the cake wars. Yeah. Because when you think about the cake wars in America, you had a couple of cake shops where someone, you know, turned up who was wanting to have a same-sex wedding and said, look, can you make a a, a cake that will, you know, celebrate our same-sex union? And uh, you had a cake shop owner who politely declined and said, look, you know, you'd be better off served by, you know, such and such a cake shop down the street. Why don't you go and talk to them instead Mm. of to me? You know, I have, you know, certain convictions in relationship to this. Uh They didn't set out to try and, uh, you know, wait until 90 minutes before the wedding and say, no, sorry. We're not doing it for you because you guys are same-sex relationship. Mm. 
and it triggered one of the longest, most drawn-out court cases in history. These people were sued to the ends of the earth, and it's still, you know, legendary in American politics. Mm. And now it's been reversed, but with extreme malice. You know, they've, they've, yeah. they've actually set up a plan. It's like, okay, let's set these guys up and let's crush them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and not only that, but they were so confident that as soon as they did it, they published it all over their Facebook and bragged about it. Wow. This is what we did to the Family <laughs> Foundation. We wrecked them. Wow. So so what's been the, the, the outcome of this then? Especially okay, if, okay. They, well, if, they're, if they're posted on Facebook. Okay, so they stated that their they they stated that their staff would not have felt safe, and they need to protect the safety of their staff. And so I'm just sort of wondering, you know, what was the dangerous threat that they were av- afraid of? Their feelings. It was they were afraid of a different opinion. Mm. They were so afraid of a different opinion they had to protect their staff from a different opinion. Yeah. Yeah, because people people come at me with this like, oh, we don't feel safe around this, we don't feel safe around that. It's like, okay, all right, you feel unsafe. What is it that you're actually afraid of? And when it comes down to it, it's they're afraid of a different opinion. Uh-huh. It's a really scary world when people are so afraid of a different opinion, they have to discriminate with extreme prejudice and bigotry. Yeah, I think that's so great. Like, what what is the physical threat to these people? Like, Yeah, I... <laughs> I actually, I actually support their their ability to be able to do so. Yeah, but it needs to go both ways. Yeah, totally. I, I, I'm like, if you want to, we live in a capitalist society, and if you want to behave this way, go right ahead. That's how capitalism works. Yeah. Uh, so long as the other side can do the same thing as well. Yeah. So Victory Cobb, who is the I'm not sure there's Victory or Victoria, but anyway, it's listed as Victory Cobb, the name of the person who runs uh, Family Foundation, made this statement here: uh, "The controversy does not bode well for the future of Christians in America. Welcome to the 21st century, where people who likely consider themselves progressives attempt to recreate an environment from the 1950s Ooh. when people were denied food service due to their race." Thankfully, in 1960, 34 brave Virginia Union University students held a peaceful lunch counter sit-in at Thalmar's department store in Richmond to demand service at a whites-only counter. They were convicted of trespassing, but after a tremendous legal battle, were vindicated by the U.S. Supreme Court. The Foundation's work will not be silenced. Mm. We will speak out when we see this type of religious discrimination occurring in Virginia. Mm. It's pretty wild world in which we live right now where there is some really hectic bigotry taking I really place. want to see the post where they brag about it and I want to see how it's like blown up or what people have been saying or I I'm really really interested to see like what what the community's reaction has been to this like because we can interested to see the community's reaction. I do have a copy of the post here somewhere, but it's not in front of me right now, so I can't read you the full post. It was, you know, kind of long and wordy, and you know, yeah. uh, safety of our staff, and you know, that was that was the big issue. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, that's that's that's, that's so interesting. It's, it's it's a hectic story right there. Okay, so then we head over to this one. This is Pew Research. They uh-huh. always enjoy their research. Two mm-hmm. in five Americans say that we're living in the end times. Okay. Um, there's, you've got 25% who simply believe these are the end times. You've got 20% of Christians believe that Jesus will return after global circumstances worsen. Mm-hmm. 
It's not hard to believe that. We simply look at the world and say, is it getting better? No, it's not getting better. Okay, 48% said they were pre-millennial, 31% they were amillennial, and 11% said they were post-millennial. I didn't think that existed anymore. Yeah. I thought that was just gone dead and buried with the I First thought, World War. I thought that died out with Nazism. Yeah, I really did. <laughs> it's not 11%. That's huge. Okay, so for those of you who might be wondering, 48% uh, say they, were pre, they are pre-millennial. In other words, they believe that Jesus, that the world will get worse and worse and then Jesus will come back and then there will be a millennium. Yeah. Um, then you've got 31% said they were amillennial, which is the group of people who say there's no such thing as the second coming. Uh. Uh, that's not a thing. It's just Jesus comes to your heart. They, like take half of the Bible and throw it away. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you've got the 11%, which is post-millennial, and post-millennialists believe that the world is going to improve through knowledge and civilization and good laws and the United Nations, etc., uh, etc., et until it reaches a point where civilization brings in a thousand years of peace and then you have the second coming of Jesus after a thousand years of peace. Mm. It's kind of the colonial view. Mm. You know, because colonists were like, well, if we go out and civilize the world, we'll bring in a thousand years of peace. Mm. And then they had the war to end all wars. And it's like, this will bring in a thousand years of peace. Yep. 25 they, years later. They had another war. They had another <laughs> world war. And I thought that that's where the post millennial view ended, but apparently it didn't. Mm. Okay. Amongst Christians, black Protestants, 76%. And uh, white evangelicals, 63%, are more likely to believe we are in the end times. Mainline Protestants, only 31% mm. believe we're in the end times, and Catholics have the lowest at 27%. Other religions, this was interesting, 3 in 10 people believe that the end is near. That's uh, 66% of the popula- of a population of non-Christians, mm. non-Christian religious people. You mean 33%, 3 Th- in 10. Oh, Sorry, 33%, uh-huh. yes. Uh, and a quarter of the religiously unaffic- un- unaffiliated say these are the end times. Mm-hmm. Okay, for those who go to religious services at least weekly, 66% of them believe we're in the end times, but for those Christians who go to church maybe twice a year, only 16% believe that we are living in the end times. And finally, 68% of Protestant pastors say culture and worldviews will continue to decline in morality until Jesus comes back. All right, we got a text message coming. We got a text message coming through here that um, Shell wants me to read. Um, which one did you want me to? <laughs> oh, has this got to do? This has got to do with somebody has requested a particular song, and we're going to play it. But there's a long text message because someone gave us a poem. Mm. They wrote us a poem. Uh huh. Let me just scroll through the beginning of it. Good morning, L and L. Blessings. Every day, I'm thankful for your faith, FM. Uh, your team and you two guys being on there. Praise God. Um, having you respond to every text message with an open heart, your knowledge is priceless. Aww. Praise God for this. Yeah, praise God. Yesterday, after you commented on Jesus forgiving our burdens and we also should forget about him, this more message came to my mind. It's a kind of poem I wouldn't know. I've never written a poem. It goes like this. The cross will always be there. Repent, 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 don't look back. Like in Sodom and Gomorrah, only look forward. A new day is a new day, only look forward. Repent, repent, repent. Jesus paid it all. Look past the cross. Repent, repent, repent. You will see Jesus alive, 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 just like the apostles did in the upper room. Jesus is alive. You will see the prodigal son. Repent, repent, 
repent, keep looking forward, like Peter walking on the water, you will see the new heavens, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, a new life. Jesus, Jesus is alive. Praise God and glory to him. Repent, repent, repent. The holes will always be there. The former things have passed away. Keep looking forward to Jesus. Jesus is alive. Jesus is calling you. Repent, repent, repent. Amen, amen. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is in a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Can you please play hymn 633 when we all get to heaven? Well, I think we have it. We'll play that right now. This is Alan Jackson. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing His mercy and His grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, He'll prepare for us a place. When we all all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Onward to the prize before us, soon His beauty will behold. Soon the pearly gates will open, we shall tread the streets of gold. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Uh, Listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, and we have another question for the quiz. Paul and what two others wrote the first letter to the Thessalonians? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. Again, that question was, Paul and what two others wrote the first letter to the Thessalonians? 0491-064-669. Nine. And that should get your mind churning. But joining us on the phone right now is Dr. Taz Walker. Dr. Taz Walker from Creation Ministries International. Welcome to the show. Oh, it's great to be with you, Lyle. Really, really good. And I understand this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about gold digging. Is that right? Yeah, about gold digging. Because uh, I thought um, Victoria is built on gold. Gold transformed Australia. And uh, most people don't realize that uh, there's a story to do with gold that's connected with uh, an event in biblical history. Amazing. Ah, fantastic. Stuff. Have you ever done any gold digging yourself, uh, Dr. Tazwalker? I have, down at Ballarat, actually, at Sovereign Hill. <laughs> I did some uh, panning for gold, and it, we've been out looking at different gold fields at different times, but nothing really exploring for gold, although I grew up in Kalgoorlie uh, on the gold fields there before the big pit was dug. And so my dad was involved in the gold mining there and the processing of it. So, yeah, I've got a little bit of gold in my uh, veins. Uh, have you ever found anything of significance? 
No, not really. It's just a not bit really. unfortunate. I've had a crack at it a few times. I haven't found that big nugget yet either. But um, tell us about gold because you're saying that this uh, gold connects to something very significant in our past history of planet Earth. Tell us all about it. Well, that's right because um, in Victoria, the gold is found in, uh, well, Bendigo is the main place and it's amazing uh, just how the gold rush started in uh, 1851. There was a couple of ladies who were washing clothes in, in Bendigo Creek and they discovered some alluvial gold, and that's what set it off. And within a short time, within 10 years, the population of Australia had trebled. And, uh, as, a re- and as a result of that, uh, you know, people did a lot of exploration. And uh, what it is, is there was a lot of sediment washed into the area, which was washed in during Noah's flood. It was a, a huge event, enormous event, catastrophic event. And uh, Noah, of course, built the ark to save his family and the animals. But uh, we see the evidence of that uh, washing in the sediment. And uh, as part of the the, uh, events of the flood, it was uh, involved movements of the Earth's crust, which we are familiar with, earthquakes and uh, tsunamis and that sort of thing, which as a result of earthquakes. Well, that happened in Victoria, right across the southern area of Australia. It folded these sediments, folded them up, it melted rock. Uh, it would have been enormous just over a period of weeks, maybe months, and uh, as a result of that, it uh, produced lots of liquids which uh, were hot and they, uh, they, they pushed through the sediments and they contained gold and they formed these quartz gold reefs. Uh, which, uh, which, uh, that's what they're mining at the moment at Bendigo and a lot of other mines around the area. There's uh, heaps and heaps of mines where places where they've uh, found gold and mining gold even to this day. Now, when you talk about the rocks being melted and everything being moved around and bent, um, pushed out of place, and this gold then becoming, um, I, I guess, trapped, encrusted in the um, in the quartz reefs. Would that gold originally have been sort of more like, you know, one big place, one, you know, big nuggets or something or other, and it's been all broken up and distributed? Or was gold something always that was just sort of like sparsely spread around the world? I think it was sparsely spread around the world. And so it was squeezed out of the sediment. So that's what what happened. It, uh, there, were the, there were the sort of the, the sediments had been uh, washed in. There was the hot uh, set, uh, fluids in the sediments coming through. They dissolved the gold, and then uh, when they uh, squeezed through, they produced these uh, quartz reefs, and the gold uh, precipitated in the quartz reefs, and that's what they, they're mining uh, down there at the moment, which is really, really amazing. And uh, what happened was the other thing that happened is, of course, you have the Noah's flood, the waters rising. The Bible talks about how the waters rose and they prevailed on the earth and they continued to rise until every high mountain under the entire heavens was covered. And that's what it says there. That's what the account says. The uh, we, well, I like to call it an eyewitness account. Noah's recorded it. And uh, then the waters flowed off the earth, the, the ocean basins, the, the, the Pacific Ocean, the Indian Ocean, the Southern Ocean, those basins sank and the water flowed off. And as it flowed off, it eroded the surface flat. And you can see 
uh, amazing evidence of that all over Australia, but particularly in Victoria as well. And uh, that's what eroded these reefs, which you were, uh, uh, they eroded the quartz and it eroded the gold and it washed them into, it was deposited in the, uh, the, the channels, the river channels, big, huge channels. The, it deposited the gold, um, uh, it, the, the places of gold, you know, the alluvial gold, and they call them the deep, deep, uh, deep leads, deep leads. They call it, that's what they call them in the gold fields of Victoria, and that's where they found the alluvial gold. So the, the evidence of Noah's flood's very strong down there, and, uh, uh, but most people don't see it because they're not expecting to see it. But once it's explained and uh, creation.com with Creation Ministries, that's the website, uh, anybody that searches for gold will find lots of articles which uh, uh, just show how, how the gold forms. So that's one of the places it's formed. They call it, um, they call it, uh, well, it's alluvial gold, but uh, they call it orogenic uh, gold to do with mountain building or folding of sediments, the gold which is produced at that time. So that's what Victoria is built on. It's sort of uh, built on the, the, the amazing treasures that came out of Noah's flood. Okay, so I'm just I'm just sort of trying to wrap my head around this, and and, and correct me if I've got this wrong, but you've got gold that is being pushed up. Um, that is being melted and you know pushed up through the surface of the earth and so forth as as the earth is being folded and and you've got you know, obviously volcanic activity happening you've got you know, you've got um, seismic activity happening and that gold is what's ending up in the quartz reefs. Do yeah. you also have alluvial gold that is neither in a quartz? Well, it's not going to be in a quartz reef because it's alluvial gold that's been washed out. But is not in where we would not because I often think of alluvial gold. That's what you find in a river. But are they yes. finding alluvial gold in places where there is no river today? Um, well, certainly there's places where no, you do find it in places where there are rivers or creeks. Uh, you, you do find alluvial gold there even today. But uh, the rivers that flowed as uh, during Noah's flood towards the end of it, as the waters were going off, often they've been covered in by other things like uh, uh, volcanic uh, activity. So the gold the gold is actually, uh, it, it seems like it's dissolved in very aggressive, acidic, you know, uh, liquids, which are underground, and it's dissolved lots of uh, uh, aggressive things which dissolve the gold. And then as these liquids go through, the, uh, the 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 ground get pushed out and squeezed out through cracks in the ground. Uh, they they precipitate. They they precipitate quartz veins, and the quartz has got gold specks of gold, a piece of gold that have uh, precipitated in the quartz. So uh, it's it's likely that the quartz, uh, you know, the gold it was not carried as lumps, but d- dissolved, uh, and that's how it formed. Yeah, for sure. Now, here's a question that uh, comes to my mind that from what you were talking about, you know, with the flood, the Bible talks about how, you know, every high mountain was covered. Um, and as you mentioned, we've got an eyewitness account there that, you know, there was no earth that was projecting above the floodwaters. One of the questions that is often asked to me um, is, okay, if we had that much water on the earth, then, you know, you've got uh, Mount Everest, which is like 27,000 feet tall, Um and uh, how did we have that much water on the surface of the earth enough to cover Mount Everest? And where did that all that all that water go? 
Yeah, that's that is a puzzle. But uh, these days, it should it's uh, it's it's much clearer because we know that the Earth's surface is made of uh, big plates. It's a crust, and the crust moves. It moves up and it moves down. So there's big movements of the crust. And so the thing is, if if the the, the, the flood would have involved movements of the Earth's crust, tectonic movements. And so if you even out the crust, if you pushed up the ocean basins and pushed down the, the continents, if it was all evened out, uh, there's enough water on the Earth right now to cover the whole of the Earth to a depth of about three kilometres. So it's simply the flood involved movements in the crust, and those movements cause the water to cover the whole of the Earth. So... Uh, it's, where's the water gone? It's flowed off the continents. It was covering the whole of Australia and all the continents and it's flowed off and it's gone into the oceans. So when you, when you go down, down to Port Phillip Bay and you, uh, you know, you swim in the ocean there, uh, that's where the water is, which, um, came off the earth and that's what, that's what covered the earth at the time of the flood. Okay. So then we would assume that, um, if at one particular point all of the earth was covered by water and as those plates you know, either went up or went down or crashed into each other, pushed mountain ranges up or whatever, they, then the, the landforms that we're looking at today are landforms that have been created by erosion, by water flowing off of them. Is that a, a, an accurate assessment? That's true. That's exactly right. And the landforms, so the water flowing off, it's produced remarkable landforms. And uh, one, one geologist, a practicing geologist, written a lot of work on it. Uh, he and another guy have written a book called uh, How Noah's Flood Carved Our Planet or Carved the, the, the Earth. And it talks about the very uh, characteristic landforms which uh, the flood produced. And uh, it's quite different to the way, you know, geologists who don't believe in Noah's flood, they try to imagine that it was formed by rainfall and frost and slow processes that took millions of years. But the flood explains so many features of the land surface uh, and the, the surround the uh, land surrounding the continents, which are the continental shelves, the continental uh, margins, uh, the flood explains all those sorts of things, and it's it's so simple, really, when you when you uh, uh, picture in your mind what actually happened. Yeah, so if we were to say, for instance, go to uh, you know just go west of Sydney, where you've got say the Jamison Valley, you've got the Three Sisters, very famous landmarks that a lot of tourists go to all the time. And you look at the size of that valley, you know, you stand up there at Echo Point and you look out across and there's like a massive, massive valley just stretching out beneath you. And yet at the bottom of that valley, there's really just a creek. Um, yes, that's right. That is amazing, isn't it? That is amazing, Lyle. And, uh, and that's one of the features. And, um, People who study, you know, uh, the, the shapes of the landforms and don't believe in Noah's flood, they recognise these. They call them overfit valleys, which are valleys which are too big for the rivers in them, and uh, they, they are really not solved how these things form. So that's just one of the amazing examples, Lyle, that, um, uh, that, that of Noah's flood. And once once you understand, once you get a few of these in your mind, uh, you can see them everywhere. Another one is rivers that flow through mountains. You have a, have a mountain or a mountain range, particularly particularly evident in uh, in Central Australia through the McDonald Ranges, where the rivers just flow straight through them. And uh, 
why didn't they go around them? And it's because of the receding waters of Noah's flood. And that uh, also happened in Victoria. You've got uh, overfit valleys, uh, very big valleys and small creeks uh, down flowing, you know, down into, into Victoria as well. Yeah, it's fascinating. Now, you know, and, and also that, um, that sandstone that you've got there in Western Sydney, and, and I guess I'm talking about Sydney because I lived in Sydney for uh, 21 years and so it's a place that I'm very familiar with, but, you know, so much sandstone out there and that, and that stretches for, what, hundreds of kilometres and obviously sandstone is created, we know that sandstone is created by moving water. That's It's sedimentary rock. How do you exactly get, right. How do you get that much sedimentary rock over such a wide area? That's exactly right, and there's uh, features of that which are very specific. Like you don't have the, the layers of the layers of sediments, the various uh, the strata. You, you can trace them between uh, um, Newcastle, and they go down underneath Sydney, and then they come up again at uh, Wollongong down in that area there. And so you find coal in them, and you can trace them, and they're being washed into place. Quite amazing the the way in which the layers are, are preserved. Dr. Taz Walker, before we finish off, just uh, you you obviously are one of the speakers for Creation Ministries International. Um, how do people uh, interact with um, CMI and the magazine and the newsletter and so forth? Tell us a little bit about the uh, the, the ministry there. Yeah, well, the, the, we have a website called creation.com and uh, the aim of that is we put up lots of articles on lots of different things for all sorts of people, people who are uh, at school, people who are at uh, high school, people at uni, people who are housewives, mothers, and uh, all sorts of people. We put articles up to help them on different things. So that's creation.com. We publish those articles in a magazine called Creation Magazine. And uh, so many people uh, write to us and say how helpful it is. We have uh, young young people who say, I grew up on Creation Magazine, and uh, it helped me at my school. I actually found that I understood biology uh, even better than my teachers, it seems. And so uh, Creation Magazine, and the crea- that's, that's the, the way to do it. And there's also an in-depth journal, and some people love that. But it's not for everybody, but it's specifically aimed for researchers and, and geologists and biologists are able to publish their work and, and uh, iron sharpens iron help help each other improve our understanding of what happened at that time. Fantastic. That's Dr. Taz Walker from Creation Ministries International. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.